This is the story of Error and the Scribe. Chapter 7 Hero Worship Bullshit She led us back down through a series of hallways and staircases. As she did, I noticed Sol had also cleaned up. He had showered and was wearing new threads, delicately torn, to allow for more limbs to protrude through them. He looked damn near presentable. Perhaps he wasn't as far gone as I had assumed. But something else told me I shouldn't draw attention to his sudden dapper presentation. After some time... We were brought to a large dining hall and sat beside each other at a small, round table. To our surprise, Sue Ellen hollered at a group loitering by the door of this big gathering room, gesturing for them to join us. She then sat down right beside me. I'd really have to practice my manners. The rest of the folks all seemed to have found their seats and were enjoying some polite conversation. We were joined by a few humans of about the same age, mostly unaltered. One of them had an enormous growth on the side of her head, with more than a few LEDs peeking through the bits of stressed flesh. I didn't want to stare, but I swear I could see more light moving across the tech under her skin. I wondered if it was the kind of tech that sped up gray matter for computer brain interface. She noticed me staring and introduced herself. Her name was Margot, and she was head of R&D. She seemed nice, though a little sharp, but that might have been on account of my staring. Sue Ellen then went around the table and introduced us to the rest of the company. They all seemed to be inner circle, the people closest to Red. Though I noticed Red herself was nowhere to be seen. Almost all of the people at our table were about Sue Ellen's age, except an old guy, with more tech than a robot surrounding his frail, aged frame. He tells me his name is Peter, and he's Margot's great-granddaddy. He's been keeping the gardens here since before the big changes. He pretends to be a bit simple, tells me the tech is more to keep him upright and functioning than anything to increase his intelligence for interfacing. He might not be as advanced as these youngsters. I can see his exosuit is older and worn, but he's still pretty sharp for an old feller, and he shouldn't be disregarded as a source of information or a human being. I noticed, despite the obvious wear and tear of the years, the suit was meticulously maintained, shined in polished gray metal like the heart of the man who wore it. I wanted to talk to him more, find out what it was like in the old days, ask him when and why he came to Oklahoma. But before I had the opportunity, dinner was served. At first, a simple salad and soup. I could hardly believe my eyes. Lettuce, tomatoes, and carrots, 
spicy southern lentil soup, and then later, rice with onions and garlic. All of it fresh, not a canned bean or creamed corn to be found. I could do nothing but inhale what was put in front of me. Sol was doing the same, and doing everything he could to avoid conversation with anyone at the table, including myself. He looked less wigged out, though. Maybe someone had gotten him something to take the edge off. Or maybe it had just been a really long time since either of us felt safe enough to eat like no one was going to take it from us. As we were finishing the last bit of the second helping, Red appeared from the back of a small stage at the end of the room. She stood at a podium and turned on a small desk lamp while arranging her papers and letting her glasses slip down her nose just enough to look over them disapprovingly. She waited for the room to quiet as each person noticed her arrival and put down whatever they were eating or talking about. She cleared her throat and the room fell completely silent. Every face trained on her. Good evening, my friends. I hope you have enjoyed the spoils of our great work, as I have in my private contemplative thought. I'm sorry I couldn't have joined you for this evening's meal, one of our time-honored traditions of joining here together for a meal after a long day of hard work to connect and understand each other. I couldn't join you, my friends, for I was deep in thought. I have been considering all of our recent troubles with the monsters. Everyone in the room was entirely focused on Red with those two words. The monsters. She let it ring through the room before continuing. I was also considering the frequency of strangers appearing within our borders. I'm sure y'all have taken notice of our guests this evening. Do not be afraid of them. I was still getting used to seeing that many sets of eyes in one room, let alone suddenly having all of them on me. I buried my face in a glass of water to avoid their scrutiny. Most of those eyes didn't look upon me favorably, and some had hate in them. I tell you, Scribe is an honest soldier of the earth. She has assured me of her good intentions and won my trust. The room seemed to relax under their leader's approval. Her companion, not many of you would remember or recognize. He is Soul. There was a slight murmur as some people gave each other knowing looks. Some children could be heard bawling at his reality, as if before now, he was only a monster from a fairy tale. Soul is a friend and a longtime neighbor of our clansmen. Soul scoffed and spit out some of his drink over the idea. I glared at him hard, and as he opened his mouth to say something, I gave him a hard kick under the table. He changed his mind and lowered his head. Our guests, both familiar and unfamiliar, have agreed to undertake a great quest on behalf of Terra. Soul will lead Scrab through the dead city to the monster's lair. There, she will negotiate terms for their surrender and exile from this city. 
the entire room erupted in cheers. Some people getting to their feet. Sue Ellen was looking at me from across the table with childish awe. Oh, hell, error. I didn't come here to save these people. I hate this kind of hero worship bullshit. I said it under my breath. Sol noticed and was giving me some real funny looks as Red continued. I have told these brave souls what we are creating here. And they believe, like we do, in our great purpose. They want to help us succeed in healing the land, clasping our hands together in front of her, almost in prayer as the crowd boomed again in a round of joyful camaraderie. And tomorrow, we will show them all that we have done. And all we will do to repair the wound that was done to Mother Terra by brutal and uncaring capitalists. She brought her hands back down to the podium, along with her pitch, almost to a whisper, commanding the attention of the audience, drawing them into her moment, this moment. Sue Ellen was so enraptured, she was practically vibrating with zeal. You know of what I speak of. We live in a dead city. A place that was burned to the ground by those unwilling to keep her safe. By those unwilling to stop it. The crowd was silent, brought back to a time and a place recalled to them through hundreds of years of storytelling. This beautiful land was left to rot by those more concerned with owning people and having power than repairing the damage that was done by their carelessness and spat. Tears began streaming down Sue Ellen's face and many of the other young enraptured scientists and gardeners. <laughs> old man Peter had nodded off somewhere near Red's first line. I told you he was a smart old fucker. He'd probably heard this enough times to know when to check out. But not all of them were assholes. This got a laugh from the audience, and seemed to break the tension of Red's dramatic climb through history. Some were good folks. People like yourself. My kin. The room was quiet, aside from the gurgling of a child nearby. Wait. That noise was coming from Sol. He must have taken something to soften his boredom. You all know my family was here since the beginning. For seven generations, our bodies have become the soil. Our blood is in the very dirt of this land. Her hands began to grip the edge of the podium. But now, I am all that remains of our long line of defenders of Terra. And I am too old to bring the fight to the monsters. She spoke so softly, I could barely see her mouth move. Too old, yes. She trailed off, recalling a different girl than the one on this stage. This brought jeers and boos from the crowd. Yes, I am getting old, my children. That's why I need these young folks to do this great deed for me. And I need you folks, my kin, to carry on our traditions and make this place what it was always meant to be. Our 
Terra. She went on and on, and they sure were eating it up. They ooed and awed with every mention of Terra, booed with every mention of the monsters, and with every higher purpose and great deed, they became more fanatical. Things are changing, my friends. Soon, others will be coming to take what we have worked so hard to create. The crowd gasped all at once. It felt rehearsed. They didn't just buy this shit. It was who they were. I know. Yes, you should be scared. But it doesn't have to be that way, my children. No. If the monsters no longer control the rest of the city, we will. We have the ability to take this city back, to make it into the world we have always wanted to create, one without fear, one where we might welcome the outside world to trade with us, because we will be powerful enough to protect what we have to offer. The crowd cheered. I felt uneasy, but she was right. If they didn't have to worry about raids and cannibals, they might be able to spread out more and set up trade routes through the city. They could even turn this place into a kind of haven if they got the guns and the tech enough to defend it. Which somehow, I think they might, if they get whatever the monsters have been collecting. I'd assume their interests might lay more in weapons than farm equipment. But if they had the weapons... What had stopped them from just coming in and taking everything these folks had? We all knew this day had come. We have to be ready for it. We have to be ready to make the hard choices, like our ancestors did. We've been very lucky these past few years. Some of you have known nothing but comfort. But we can't forget... We are in a fight for survival. Every day, we're fighting death. Every day you get up and do your job, you're helping to fight entropy. Every sacrifice you make for your kin, every choice to keep going, failure after failure, is a choice made to keep living. The people were with her, their eyes wide and full of grandeur. For too long, we have let death reign over this land, protected here by our bubble of light. For too long, our garden has been limited to this small dark corner of the world. For too long, the monsters have kept us within these walls. But tonight I say, no more. The crowd was on their feet. After tomorrow, there won't be any more monsters at our gates, and we will be free to bring the world back to life. The crowd cheered and rose up to the stage, rushing red, all of them hugging and celebrating each other, and Sol and I just sat there, both of us lost in what just happened. I think he might have been lost more in his trip, but I couldn't stop thinking about the last thing she said. After tomorrow, there won't be any more monsters. Her words kept echoing over and over in my head. I really didn't know what I had agreed to, and this deal was getting more and more sour with every moment here. 
After some heartfelt hugs, and many people returning to their seats, Red invited Sue Ellen to the stage to talk to everyone about the day's achievements and the next day's goals, during which she stood off to the side of Sue Ellen, happy to just nod approvingly with every advancement and furrowing her brow sternly with every disappointment. But she didn't speak again. After Sue Ellen finished, most people filed out with their children and prospective partners, leaving only a snoozing techno-gardener, Soul, and myself at the table in a mostly empty room. Sue Ellen was still on stage talking to Red. They'd both look over at us occasionally, debating some fate I was both curious to know and entirely bored of. Whatever it was she wanted me to do, she wasn't going to get it. I ain't nobody's diplomatic excuse for genocide. I had just crossed my arms in defiant personal absolution when Sue Ellen approached us and asked if we needed help getting back to our rooms. During the walk back, I asked her about what she thought about Red's plan to heal the world. She seemed starstruck. She was just happy to be alive during this great time of transition. She was just so happy to have gotten to meet me, and she was just so fucking happy I was going on this mission for her people. I gotta tell you, nothing would make me happier than to be away from her. We were interrupted in the hallway by a young man who offered to take Soul round through the labs to pick up his gear and chems for the trip. Have a lovely sleep, scribe. See you in the morning. You okay, Soul? I might be wrong about this guy. Maybe he's not all ego and spite. He was quiet for a moment. He just kind of looked at me. It was so hard to read his spidery eyes. Yes, scribe. I'm fine. You'd better get some rest. Tomorrow is going to be a really long day, and I don't want you two to be tired when we head out. I just narrowed my eyes, not sure how to respond, just hoping Sue Ellen had not heard it. If she did, she gave no indication. Yes, you're right. We do need our sleep. Have a good rest, soul. Sue Ellen and I continued on to my room, where she left me. The moment the door shut, These cats are a little obsessive, no? More so than I had first thought. Or maybe not them, just Red. At least I wasn't alone in thinking this place was a bit like a cult. Sue Ellen seems nice. She does. Real fucking nice. She gets on my nerves. Did you see the way she looked at me tonight? Nearly made me sick with expectation. Did she have any idea what Red meant for me to do? How can she idolize someone being sent to murder an entire people? She doesn't know, Scribe. She's probably lived her entire life in relative safety of this commune, been told story after story of the cruel creatures that live outside these walls, and she takes care of the kids. People like that can't be pessimistic. They have to teach the young to hope. Well, that's very lovely, but she's still ignorant, maybe willfully so. As are most humans, but regardless, I don't think she or most of the people here are ill-intentioned. No, they're genuine. Genuinely willing to let someone else do the dirty work they think is necessary to build a world in their image. Error. People even though well-intentioned, 
will always pass the buck. So are you going to help them? I don't know yet, I said, stripping out of my suit again. I'm still thinking on it. The pieces are coming together. But you're right. As far as humans go, these folks do have the right idea. They seem mostly nonviolent aside from the genocide. And they're willing to share what they have with the world. We'll see what the other side of history has to say, provided they're the type to want to talk. Climbing into the softest bed I had ever lain in. The monsters. They sure look like murderous, ethically devoid excuses for our existence, from this side of things. That's never the way it really is. I felt like I hadn't gotten a good sleep in years. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. Good night, error. I said with a yawn. I was dead asleep the moment my head hit the pillow. Well, that's all for today, folks. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to Live Food Girls for being my very first Patreon supporters. Thanks, guys. And thanks, everyone else. Tune in next time to see the forest through the trees. 